Kick out the jams, motherfuckers. This is Wayne Kramer from the MC5, and you're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Pantheon Podcasts presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaming. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaming as she brings you the devil's music. Hi, this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to the Devil's Music podcast, all about that sinful rock and roll. It's the beat. I know what it does to you. Rock and roll and witchcraft have been two concurrent themes in my life since the age of 12. So that's how I got the idea to do this, to explore two of my favorite things, especially since Whiskers on Kittens doesn't really translate into a podcast. Um, in case you don't know me, I'm a rock and roll witch. I'm a best-selling writer. I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles with a fanzine called Lobotomy, and I was an active part of that mid to late 70s punk scene that I helped create. I went on to book all sorts of clubs and venues in LA, including two of the most seminal punk clubs, Raji's and Cathay de Grand. Um, I lived in a very famous punk rock house called Disgraceland. Legendary, I might add. I'm a painter. I'm an actor. I've been a professional dancer for probably many years, longer than some of you have been alive. I'm still ticking and still ticking lickings. Some of you might know me. Some of you might not have heard of me. And some of you may have heard of me in the ahem, biblical sense. But we're here to have fun. And I'm glad you're joining me. Mwah! With absolutely devilish glee, I'm just ecstatic to introduce my guest to you today. She is a household name. She's a rock and roll legend. She's a, a stunning and beautiful woman, known worldwide for her talent, her beauty, her grace, both on stage and off stage. Uh, not that many people know her as well as I do because we used to be roommates in the 80s, and we've been lifelong friends ever since then. So, as I said previously, with pleasure, I am introducing you to 
the incredible Belinda Carlisle. This is The Devil's Music with me, your hostess, Pleasant Gaiman. We're in a really swanky West Hollywood hotel. I'm with Belinda Carlisle, my longtime bud, and we're probably going to really scare the people in the hotel in a few minutes. That's why we have to talk really, really softly. We're going to talk like, like sex line operators. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Here we are. <sighs> Belinda. Do you think that you could maybe tell me? No. <laughs> Let's talk about the first time we ever met. This was like in what, like 1975? Probably. Actually, I think I saw you before we met. And I remember it was, and I don't, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was before we actually officially met. In, in the rainbow formally. parking lot? No, at the, at the um, hot riot house. Oh. At the Hyatt House on the rooftop at the pool, because I was up there with Lorna, you know, Lorna Doom from the Germs, and we were trying to find Nils Lofgren. I remember this. I remember that. And was there like some party at the pool or were we just I, hanging? I think that there was. I think, I think there was always a party at the there, pool. Uh, yeah, that, during that time. But I remember seeing you for the first time. And I think you were about probably about 16. Yeah. Or 17. And I don't know. I was probably, I was a little bit older than you, but. You know, that was the first time, but I don't think I knew you then. I think that was just, that came afterwards. I remember one time before we, um, before we actually legit met at the Beverly Hilton, I saw you in the rainbow parking lot and you were wearing, <laughs> well, everybody, every, the rainbow everybody parking was lot the was a place to lot. see and be seen. Yes. And to get quaaludes, which was why everyone was there to see and be seen. <laughs> and to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One or the other, um, before AIDS. So that was like at a time. Yeah, that was so fun. Wait, I have to tell you, before I tell you about the time, the best thing I ever saw in the rainbow parking lot, there was a, um, there was like a, a bright green metal flake Jaguar with all the windows rolled up and the um, the motor running, but with the stereo blasting and some like metal song. And there was a guy with the shag in the front seat passed out and there was puke all over the dashboard. <laughs> and everyone was just walking by it like, like it was, was normal. <laughs> oh, it, those were the days when you'd see um, like Alice Cooper would be coming out. Marty, um, Marty Feldman. Yeah, Marty Feldman would be, always be there. Rod Stewart with Susan George. It was all very Iggy glamorous. selling his Iggy. raw power jacket to yeah. uh, Stanley from the Dickies <laughs> for like three ludes. Exactly. Anyway, I saw you there and you were, um, you look so hot. You had your hair kind of like up in a semi-French twist and you were wearing a total disco-y like turquoise Kiana drapey jumpsuit but jumpsuit. it looked 40s and you had on red spike heels and a big giant flower I in your do you remember that that jumpsuit it was made out of Kiana yeah Kiana. Kiana. Like and Kiana my Reeves. mom made that yeah. and I really, remember that my that? mom made that wow. yeah I think it was like simplicity or butter one of those patterns oh, yeah. <laughs> butterwick yeah exactly. the patterns and she actually made me a couple of Kiana um dresses and jumpsuits you look like very... full-on studio 54 queen yeah in exactly. the best way ever exactly 
But so, so the time that I remember really when we met each other and hung out for like five hours or something was at the Beverly Hilton um, lobby when I was there with George and Paul, who later became Pat Smear and Darby Crash. Right. And you were there with um, Terry, who later became Winter Doom, and we were waiting for Freddie Mercury to get his autograph. Fuck yeah, Freddie Mercury. What? Oh, I didn't God. only want his autograph. Or oh, no, I didn't either. I, but yeah. I would have <laughs> taken Roger thinking. Meadows Taylor too. <laughs> well, I remember. I think we figured out what room he was in, right? Yeah. And we went up to the floor and knocked on his door, like he was really going to answer and let us in. <laughs> I'm sure. But I remember, it was like five kids were like standing there at the door, waiting for it to open. I don't know if it was his room or not, but but somehow we figured it out, right? Yeah, and we always figured shit like that out. Yeah, I was um, the other thing that I used to do there at the Beverly Hilton. I, I worked at a uniform store and after school and um, I found out that Hilton had all the, um, the same uniforms. So I stole a made uniform from my work. And when I went to school, I'd keep it in my little bag and I'd um, go to the Beverly Hilton and because the doors were always open in hotels. And then I'd go into right. the ladies room and put on a made uniform. And grab towels off some cart and then go out to the pool. And I, I met bad company and started having drinks with them. And I told them it was like a... Like oh, they must stole. have loved you. Oh, they did. I'm sure. <laughs> but then at one point, their road manager told me I should take off the uniform. I mean, not, not to be in my underwear, but he, he was like, you should put on regular clothes or you're going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> That is so funny. But so do you remember um, that day, like when, do you remember what we were talking about besides Queen or like, do you remember the next time that we saw each other? Well, I, I just remember, I, I do remember that it was for us, like coming, driving all the way in from Thousand Oaks, which was 45 minutes, you know, in the middle, seemed like in the middle of nowhere, um, that meeting sort of like-minded kids because we didn't have anything out where we were in the suburbs. I mean, Terry and I were the only ones really in art class that would bring in Roxy Music albums or Iggy Pop albums or whatever, and then would buy NME and, and you know, Sounds keep up with all the, yeah, and keep up with all the, the, the British sort of punk uh, punk scene so to find other kids that were like-minded and and were into the same things was really exciting for us and I remember we went over to Bobby's we used to go over to well at the time he was Bobby Pin was it pre-Bobby Pin was yeah, he still I think Paul? he was just Paul for a while Paul yeah Paul being so we'd go to his name. remember we'd go to his apartment when he lived with his mom and we listened to like Bowie the sec, yeah and sex symbols the, 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 the sex symbols so the, the sex pistols God save the queen over and over and over again yeah always everything you know what you know what I was thinking about the other day how you just said over and over again Remember, like, whenever The Clash or The Damned or anyone's first album came out and there was so few things that we liked that anywhere you went of people we know, it was the same album just playing for the exactly, whole party. Exactly, exactly. Over and over again. And then we'd all go to the Capitol uh, Records parking lot. Oh, yeah. Remember that? that? I fucking loved that. Oh, well, that was like, it was like record collection. It was junk, really. CDs and albums and it was all vinyl No, I don't even time. think there was CDs in those days. Oh, not CDs. It was pre-CD. What am I talking about? There was but singles. It was, it was just singles and vinyl and, and albums and it was just a place to be seen after words that an okie dog it, it turned <laughs> yeah <laughs> okie dog oh my fucking god 
But the Capitol <laughs> Records parking lot was kind of like an after, an open air after hours club because it used to be all these like fat, bearded old record collectors. And then we exactly. started going there because it, people would start setting up at like three in the morning and you could wander around there with beer. And then it would just turn into like, we kind it was of wrecked great. it for the collectors. Yeah, we, we definitely amazing. wrecked it for the collectors. But it was, it, was, uh, it was definitely a place to go after whatever was going on, which wasn't much at that time. It was like 50 of us. Yeah. 50 of us kids, I think. But that always the um, at the Canterbury, I remember like in the middle of any party in anyone's apartment, always at some point a Murphy bed would fall out of the Oh, wall. God, we had one. You had we it? had one. We had a Murphy bed. Um, I think we both shared the Murphy bed. There was not a bedroom. It was just a studio apartment. Wait, was this with Connie? Who, who this was when with? I was living with Lorna. And that was our oh, that probably second apartment together. So... We were one of the first tenants there, and and it was great because it was all the kids took over the. It was like they, we took over the building, and then we had that landlord that was actually ran like a theft ring. Yes, and he was a pimp, and he was a landlord, and the bands we'd all rehearse in the basement of the Canterbury. Um, it was an amazing time. It was it was like that was pre mask. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was yeah. pre-mask or it was just about barely concurrent, but the mask hadn't really become like... The mask. Yeah. Yeah. We had, like you were saying earlier, we was um, the Orpheum Theater was yeah. what I remember to be the first punk venue in L.A. Or Yeah, that was, I mean, that was like a one-night thing and that was... On Holloway. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was Peter Case rented it. So the the... The venue that we're talking about had only one punk gig. It was kind of like a black box theater. <laughs> and that was, um, it was the weirdos, the zeros, and the germs, which happened because when we were at Bomp Records that afternoon to see the damned do an in-store at Bomp Records in the Valley, um, I went up to, um, I think it was John and Cliff, like from the weirdos yeah, oh, yeah. the weirdos were there and told them that the germs were a band and they had only rehearsed like three times or four times or something and that they should open the whole show so they said okay they just said okay they said without a, even they said saying a, it yeah without even seeing yes. them but then we we went and got a, a shit ton of like cold duck and then um <laughs> bobby pin who later turned into a derby crash got like a ton of licorice whips, those like red licorice whips. And he and I would we, always be eating those. Yeah. Well, we took quaaludes and we started drinking the cold duck and we were at my mom's house. And then he wanted me to tie him up in kind of like a shibari harness, even though we wouldn't have said the word shibari, but he wanted them all over his body, just like when he made those jeans that had safety pins all over yeah. So by the time we were driving up to Sunset in Chris Ashford's car, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I, I was like flat on the back seat with my legs out the window, just like wasted on quaaludes and cold duck. And um, that started the peanut butter thing with the germs. Oh, well, I remember that because I, well, when the, the first band that, that uh, was, was the germs and it was, that's how, I mean, it happened. Wait, this is when Donna Rhea was drumming. Yeah, well, this was pre-Donna Rhea because I was supposed to be the, the, right. the drummer. And then I came down with mononucleosis and had to go. <laughs> as one does. Uh, as one does. The kissing disease, which was, was, which was quite a bit. It was around at that time. So I had to go back to my mom and dad's for a couple months. So Donna Rhea. Uh, <laughs> Real name. Donna Rhea. Um, <laughs> 
she was she went to high school with us too so oh, she I was a freak from art class yeah so she was the drummer that took over for me she didn't know how to play either i, I had know. no idea how to play <laughs> terry didn't know how to even, do you remember? i have no idea this is like this was no one knew how to do anything except for pat yeah and and um darby or, or bobby or paul at the time um just happened to write brilliant lyrics i mean yeah. he was an amazing amazing poet so um <laughs> but so i i came back life. from i came back from my mom and dad's ready for the first show as a germs i say a germ spokesperson <laughs> so i would be on the side of the stage and hand him all his props his, his peanut butter and salad dressing and whatever you know it, it, it graduated to broken glass but <laughs> i didn't i didn't hand him that but um so I was there and I remember people were absolutely horrified. I think there was like 12 people in the audience at that time. At that, when they were playing? The very first yeah, show. Yeah, it was like 12 or yeah. 15 people yeah. maybe, but everybody was horrified. I remember even the, the zeros who were like baby teenagers. I mean, they looked like they were all like eight. They were just standing there with their mouths I open. I think everybody was. Everyone it was, was aghast. Complete chaos on stage, complete chaos. And it sounded like, you know, but it was great. And he was like. It sounded like caveman stuff through amplifiers. <laughs> like you couldn't even tell that it was a song. Yeah, you couldn't. Not at all. And then, of course, down the line when they got Dawn and everything, it sort of turned into a real band. But it was, you know, it was, uh, that was a time when you could, you could just do anything you wanted and get, get a gig, really. I know. And, and not get busted, too. Exactly. What exactly. about, um, well, I knew that 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 Orpheum show was like, I remember at one point turning around and seeing the Screamers walk in with the Damned who were playing this Starwood for two nights, the next couple of nights. That, yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay, now this is a real event. I mean, like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's like a legit thing. If the, if the Screamers were bringing the Damned, you knew that this was, or I knew kind of it was going to be like historical or it was hysterical at the time. But I, Did I the Damned happen to see the germs? On yes. The they were, they were all, KK and Tomato and Gear were sitting on the top of chairs. So, the, like, I know that Dave Vanian and maybe Captain Sensible were, I can't remember the other two, but, like, they all saw Rat that. Scabies. Yeah, yeah. so funny. That is so funny. I have a good Captain Sensible story. Say it. Well, no, this is, well, since it's pretty, it was fast forward to about 10 years ago, the Go-Go's, it was before I got sober. So it must've been about 15 years ago. So we got totally smashed. And it was, we were playing a Japanese festival with the damned and um, Peaches uh -huh. got on stage with her f girlfriend and started simulating like oral sex on stage in front of all these Japanese people. <laughs> <laughs> standing there and then captain sensible came on and was just and dancing around oh. and in a like an and like a mini skirt and <laughs> and this these these japanese audiences that that are so like reserved and start just sitting there <laughs> watching this go on as a go-go's <laughs> it was so good and i saw him actually um a couple of years ago and i mean he's actually really cute I know, you know what, I used to think him and Ratscape, well, I still think Ratscabies is kind of horrifying, but like I, I used to just not think Captain Sensible is that cute, but he, we think he, you're cute. Yeah, no, he is. He's definitely, definitely handsome and charismatic. But Dave, Dave Vanian would have been my first choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course. <laughs> but um, when, when I interviewed Captain Sensible for Lobotomy, like right after when the Damned were playing the Starwood, the first, the first um, thing I said was, 
how much acid do you take? And he's like, oh, 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 like that. And I was like, well, I know you take acid. And he's like, how do you know? And I was like, we all take it. And he's like, really? Like, I was like, yeah, everyone in LA takes acid Everybody. all the time. It was, it was, uh, well, it was a drug. I mean, we took it every weekend. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, wait. Let, okay, so let's segue into an acid story. All right. Uh, one of many. Which one? There are many. Okay, well, um, at the two times that I remember us really taking a bunch of acid was, one was going to Motley Crue at the Whiskey when me and you, this was like right when they were just beginning to be, I mean, it was before they were famous, but they were sort of, they, they had their posters plastered up all over town by themselves. Like they didn't, I don't think they had a record out yet, but remember me and you thought it was going to be a dumb, stupid, heavy metal thing. So we took a bunch of acid. Oh, God. And um, was it at the Starwood? No, that was at the Whiskey. At the Whiskey. And we thought it was going to be um, empty in there. And we just knew we could go in there for free. And was drink. it empty? No, it was fucking packed. It was. Because I remember seeing the police for the first time. Remember that? When at they the, came into town? At and the they, Whiskey or the Starwood? At the Whiskey. And there was nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was no one. There yeah. was no one there for a lot of things. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. But, but I really, okay, well, going off the acid train for a second, I remember the first time I knew that you guys were going to be really famous was... We always used to sit up in the balcony at the Whiskey because you could put your feet like up on yeah. the railing and that was like right next to backstage. That was where all the quote, quote, cool people sat. Exactly. Or the people that were so high that they didn't want to go up and down the stairs <laughs> and there was a bar upstairs. So you could just stay there. Exactly. Um, but you guys had just come back from England and it was during like our lip sale. They got like full on chills right. and I was like, fuck, they are going to be so famous. Like. It was it was weird coming back from from the UK because at, at the time it was before internet or like you know instant information. So we would I mean we would send postcards and letters back home uh -huh. and say oh we're huge you know and no one ever would really know the difference. They'd see occasionally the go go's in the cover of a Melody Maker or Enemy or whatever, but um, we could you could say anything and anybody would believe it. Yeah. So but you know little did anybody know that. We were really struggling at that time. We were had no money. You know, we were like playing, opening for the ska bands, and that was during the whole National Front movement. Oh, yeah. So they were like really scary skinheads. There was lots of violence at the show. But the worst part was getting spit on every single night because if they liked you, they would gob on Gobbing, you. yeah. And it'd be covered in gob like every single night. It was disgusting. So, but, but we rode right back home and say, Oh, you know, and then, you know, we're, we're doing really well. Everybody loves us, blah, blah, blah. So that kind of got around. And at the time, Stiff Records, um, released as a favor to madness. Um, we got the beat oh, on, that was on single because Stiff Records hated us. Really? Hated well, a lot of people hated us because there was you know obnoxious, you know five obnoxious young Slutty, girls. Yeah, crazy, loud enough girls. <laughs> exactly. So um, they did it as a favor to Madness because Madness insisted. So when that single was released as import, that is what kind of kicked everything off. So when we came back from the UK. 40 pounds heavier, each of us. Oh, yeah, I remember. So bad. I don't know how and that kidney happened. pies and, and beer. Well, we couldn't even afford that. So we were drinking Benelin, uh, the cough syrup oh, yeah, to yeah. get high. Yeah. And like eating Nutella out of jars and stuff. <laughs> so we didn't have any money for food. We were digging the leftovers out of the, the headlining bands, the trash cans, and eating out of trash cans, <laughs> oh, literally. God. We had no money. We had like two pounds a day to get back and forth to rehearsal. And then the rest was like cough syrup 
Oh, yeah. Remember <laughs> snake bites that they used to sell at bars in the UK? It was like cough syrup in, in lager. No, that sounds really good. The meteors turned me on to that. Well, I, see, I didn't I didn't know about that. But Margot probably did. Yeah, Margot. She, she probably would have known about that. But when we came back, it was just perception. People's perception was like, and at that time, if you went to the UK and to England, and, and, and then you must be cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know, no matter what. So when we came back, it was like, I remember playing at the Starwood and looking out and going, oh, my God. And seeing, like, lines, like, wrapped around yeah. the block and thought, this is like crazy yeah i mean who would have guessed but still no one would sign us you know because of you know the woman factor um but then finally miles did so yeah the woman factor was still unpacked. well they yeah they wouldn't sign us and they would say hey, we love you we can say everybody loves you you can see that you're popular but there's been no track record of a successful a female band and runaways the runaways were more of a cult thing even though i love them yeah but I mean, even later, later, even when you had so much success, like my band couldn't get signed. Like I remember, Nobody Alexa could. told told us that the um, that the Screaming Sirens were a novelty band, but then they signed the Chili Peppers. And I said to the I said to the A and R guy, okay, so an all female band is a novelty, but young white boys that wear socks on their dicks and play funk isn't. I, said I, I know exactly. Exactly. Well, that was a, it was a real problem. And still, to this day, I think it's really weird that there isn't, you know, well, music has changed so much. So it's not a lot of their authenticity isn't there anymore. But so if they're going to put have an all female band, it's put together by like Disney or like Simon Cowell or something or come from a TV show. Yeah, but it's yeah, not yeah, for yeah. the garage. No, it's, it's not. not authentic. But you know what made me cry? Like uh, it was this was about a year or two ago. I went into Guitar Center because I was near there. Um, on Guitar Center on Sunset Boulevard and I had to get batteries and I just thought like you know that's less sketchy than the 7-Eleven I'll see if right. they have have batteries and um, when we used to get stuff for the sirens all the time like drumsticks or chords or something no matter what like music supply place you went to they'd be like oh what kind of strings does your boyfriend yeah. use and we'd be like it's for me and they'd be like haha you know yeah exactly. I, I got through the door and i just, look i'm even just getting goosebumps right now i i looked and i saw every fucking person that was working there was a woman there was a and i i was standing in the door look see wow. goosebumps i fucking started crying and i'm gonna cry right now in the doorway right. i couldn't believe it it was yeah. no it was just yeah. so cool every yeah. fucking clerk that yeah. worked in there yeah. was, was it was a, about a girl. time yeah yeah it was wild it's it was yeah it was definitely um gender was definitely a problem and so I mean, it's still i mean when you look at music now it's so sexualized you know for for the most part yeah we were just know. sexual in the dressing room no, exactly <laughs> yeah we, we well the go-go's we did it our way and we didn't want to we didn't want to go that route except you know except off <laughs> <laughs> except in hotel rooms there were exceptions sick shit to like roadies and other people. exactly that works exactly there were exceptions but for the most part that wasn't what we were about and really what you know the, the music out of la you guys and and the go-go's and there's so many there's so much talent and that didn't have to resort to that you yeah. know it was sort of there's a it was nodding towards it but it wasn't really you know so yeah. like blatant on stage like it is now no it was nothing like that i mean not that 
not that we weren't and that's like, kind of like and crazy that's but. like the obvious way to go and that's when and no one really went for the obvious back then never mm-hmm. but i remember when um when you were living at disgrace aunt and <laughs> when people okay wait let's talk about the 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 girl the girl that lived upstairs the teenager that lived upstairs oh yeah yeah oh see, well when the when the gogos when we, when, when we Got the Beat came out, and that yeah. Our Lips Are Sealed became a big hit. Yeah. Was it We Got the Beat or it was, it was Lips? Our Lips Are Sealed. Yeah. Over and over and fucking over again. This chick that <laughs> lived upstairs was probably like 15 or 16, and she used to play Donna Summer singles on repeat yeah. or whatever like the, the top hit was. And then one day it turned into Our Lips Are Sealed. <laughs> and it, um, <laughs> like, that was a logical progression for her, but I also knew that like, Whoever it was upstairs listening to on a Sears Roebuck stereo to a single wasn't going to think that the singer lived directly underneath, underneath her. <laughs> and you were like, that was so funny. And then there, the, our neighbors, too. We had those guys that lived next door. The gypsies? Or the, the gay guys that lived upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they were, they had a hard time. And it wasn't that um, Carl Reiner's like grandson or something. It was somebody to do with Carl Reiner. And remember, we, well, speaking of c- celebrities back then, getting Charlene Tilton's mail, and we used to get really excited when we get Charlene Tilton. It would say fifteen fifty six. No, fifteen fifty three. Fifty fifty three Castle. And I remember when the Go Go's went to the first. Um, we got our first Grammy nomination, and we went. And I saw her, and I got really excited, and I said. Oh my God! We used to get your mail, oh. <laughs> and she's like, "I never lived there. I never." Lived. She like she totally, totally did. denied she used to get it. Scientology mailers to our address. <laughs> and remember, remember when she was on the Mike Douglas show, and she said she she used to live in a roach-infested apartment in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. She this. did not want to cop to that at all. But uh, yeah, Disgraceland was, as you know the best describe the forbidden food party to our esteemed listeners okay so we decided to have this party one night and it was going to be no boys allowed so all the boyfriends were kicked out and it was just it was about 30 girls and you had to come in a negligee and bring your favorite dessert it was gonna and we made punch in the kitchen i don't know threw threw a bunch of shit in a big bowl yeah and a statman had it and we had lollipop stirs and the punch yeah, and, and so it was uh, all these girls and, you know, loud music and negligees, and there was a knock at the door, and we're like, who's that? And there, <laughs> and there was Neil Finn and um, some of the split ends who were in town. They go, come on in, and they... They just stood there. And it was like they died and went to heaven. They were the only guys. And, and we were wasted at that point. And you know something, Neil Finn, whenever I say him, he still brings that up. Really? He has not, he did not forget about that. But for them, they were like, oh, these babes and like negligees and half naked. And then there's like these four guys from, from New Zealand that like, were kind of like standing there like, oh. Chocolate cakes and cannolis. And we were giving them like blue punch that had lollipops <laughs> in it. And we were like, I was vomiting. I, I I still have like hard copy photos that someone took. I made them come in there because I was going to make Makes myself bomb vomit. So you could eat some more. Yes, I could eat <laughs> But I had on a tiara and like a 1930s bed jacket and my hair was long and red. And I, I have these pictures. First, I have pictures of me squishing refried uh, beans. Uh, Rylene has those. Yeah. <laughs> I know it was it was it was classic. We have some. I have a couple great polar, uh, 
with polar was it polaroids from back then or something back then from that but yeah that was uh that was that was classic okay let's talk about the ouija board well, we had that that you know i don't think i've ever used that properly since the time <laughs> we used it in my bedroom we just what do you we whipped it out yeah and um we started asking questions and they were like scarily accurate yeah and then it spelled out house house dirty yeah and, <laughs> and that was really accurate and i said something like fuck you yeah you like said back. fuck you really and much. it said it, it like went crazy the thing on the board like shut up sluts yeah <laughs> and then and then we were like okay we're gonna just put this, put away. this away now yeah put this away now but um yeah that was it was classic so funny. Do you want to talk about the blood in the middle of the party? Remember when people didn't remember that we had blood in the vials? Oh, well, see, we decided we uh, we both had altars in our room. Yeah. Right? We, we had the witchcraft store that was on Cahuenga. Yeah, yeah pan pipes. Yeah, underneath Marshall Burrell's office, yeah. which you worked Oh, we have too. to talk yeah, about yeah, that. Marshall Burrell's, when he worked as booking agents, yeah. like for five minutes. So we would go get, like, the, the mojo bags, and we do spells, always on boys, to get boys. Always. So I remember you one night at um, <laughs> Cathay de Grand and going around and putting period blood in, in guys' drinks. <laughs> With a with with a vial, yeah. and I like see and go like this, squirt, 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 because that was part of a spell, like that you would get. It was wait, I just cackled like a full end witch. <laughs> well, there was like you know between the the yeah, I mean. Well, also it, this was pre-AIDS. It was pre exactly. It was pre, it was pre-AIDS, but you know it's that's just so yeah we had the 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 blood that we would do for that for it was always spells and it was always about boys always always yeah it was never not about boys it wasn't like for any of us to get rich or famous it was just it's just about boys yeah yeah <laughs> exactly i don't even i don't even remember who i was crushing on then do you remember who you're... i have there there were so many oh at yeah that there time. was like no i know it's all blur. that was like it was like a revol revolving oh. door Okay, talk about remember booty. Yeah. Did I leave my so, English boots in there? Yeah. Um, Wait, say what? Say what we'd the club always, was. We had this. Um, it was the Booty Club International. Lee with, with an a e, e on the end and an accent. <laughs> and we made we made laminate cards. You have yes, them too. It's, it's it's like I'm an official member of the Booty Club, club International. Lee. <laughs> And and because um, we call boys booty. Yeah. So I remember Bow Wow Wow came to town and they were playing the Roxy. And I was supposed to interview the guitar them. player was so, so cute. Matthew Ashton. I wound up Such making out with him in the closet on the floor of the dressing room without even putting period blood near him. <laughs> and then and then I wake up the next morning. I actually had a day job. No, this was like, well, it was. I think this is before you woke up because remember you were knocking on the door. Yeah, because I was looking for my English boots. Yeah, and, we, <laughs> and or maybe it wasn't. I wasn't going to work. Maybe it was. I don't know. But I opened the door and I said, "Have you seen my?" No, first you were knocking on the door like you're like, "Please, where's my English boots?" Mm -hmm. And and we we're like right in the middle of fucking, and you're like, "I think I left." <laughs> Everybody in the hotel lobby just turned know, that. Just turned around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so any, let's go back to our sex operator voices. Yes, I think that's better. Yeah, that's better. 
she kept knocking on the door asking for her boots and I was trying not to crack up like in the middle of sex and then finally he's like do you think does she really need her boots should should yeah, she come she in she was like, no 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 no, no, no. The was it. yeah he was he was a babe he was a total babe he was so fucking cute yeah yeah I like I like talking in this voice we don't horrify the lobby that way we the whole, everybody turned around <laughs> Now there's like kids in there. I think we have to switch to like a PG. Yeah, PG. Topic. Or we can talk X, but just softly. What? So X, but just softly. Okay, talk about, um, let's talk about that time we were going to go and see Nina Hug and, and Fast Freddy, Man About oh, Town. Well, that's one of, you know, one of the, man well, we publisher. used to do acid every weekend. And I, I have to say, I never have had a bad acid trip. Ever, ever, ever. So, I mean, that was like kind of a weekend thing that we'd always do yeah. when we were young. So, um, I think it was just we decided to go. We take the bus. Yeah. Well, you took all that English change and like, off here, and then like like the scoop like a whole like like drawer full of like change into my purse right for the yeah. bus. And bus it was fare. all, but it was all English. English we didn't know. <laughs> we couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> so we took the bus. I think we took the bus to. Um, the whiskey. Yeah, but I don't know how we, we ended at the whiskey. Seven Eleven on Holloway first. Though. Oh my God! That like the, the the Remember where I was choking? Yeah, <laughs> that that was like that was a scary place. That Seven Eleven off the Holloway and and um, and La Cienica. So I don't know what we were doing there. We're probably getting booze. I'm sure. Yeah. Just by buying booze, and then you go up to the whiskey, and uh, the children are around, and. Um, <laughs> We saw Fast Freddy, who was out of control drunk, right? He was out of his mind. Yeah, he was in his gremlin. He was in his what? His gremlin. Like like that hellish oh, yeah. old gremlin car he had. So we needed a ride to the um, to the Rock Corporation. Um, was it the Rock Corporation? No, it was a country, a country club. club. No, he was going there to see, like, the plimsolls, I think, because we couldn't. We were just standing on the sidewalk, tripping our brains out, and he asked if we wanted to go. Okay, so we got into the back seat of his car. He said yes. He was totally drunk, and I don't know how we made it there alive, but I do remember though listening to maybe over and over that song maybe by the three degrees over and over we and weeping. over again and like yeah literally crying and like screaming and I don't <laughs> even think we we. <laughs> I don't even think we made it into, we may have made it into the, the country club, but probably at the end of the night, because we were, yeah, spent was, all the, the whole lights, time in the, in the car, screaming in the car, like, this is so amazing. And he was driving over medians in Beverly Hills. He was driving over, like, the grass medians. I remember yeah. that. Like, if yeah. we wouldn't have been that wasted, we never would have gotten in the car. Yeah, pro- yeah probably. So, um, the the two biggest places to hang out aside from the rainbow parking lot and the licorice pizza parking lot which is across the street from the whiskey right? oh the licorice pizza parking that lot was a place that was across from joan jett's apartment that was a big hangout and too. that was a big hangout too hangouts were just like people's houses then because there wasn't re- there was hardly any clubs they weren't and and actually that was a time when you would hear there was a party and just drop in on somebody's house that you had an address and i remember ending up at Lana Wood's house up in the Hollywood Hills. Oh yeah, <laughs> walk in, and it's like what these kids. What are the you know? It's like we obviously didn't belong there. But that was, that was. Um, those were the three around the whis- uh, the whiskey, licorice pizza, rainbow, and then there was a Tropicana, which was on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, which was 
It was the like the best. It was the equivalent of the of the Chelsea Hotel in New York. It exactly. Was, it was insane. All the bands stayed there. And I remember Oh, I've had lots of memories when Madness was in town. Yeah. Also being there and you know. Wait, did Madness stay there? Huh? Did Madness stay there? They stay there. How many yeah. rooms? In and the I, I, I remember you... waking up at like seven in the morning on a lawn chair by the pool. Yeah, yeah and going, yeah. oh my god, I have to go to work. Yeah, I know. I got, <laughs> I got driven to school with my hair covered in whipped cream from a from a food fight at Cantor's with the damned and Rodney drove me straight down Santa Monica Boulevard to high school because oh, I had brought like me books and left them at the bar at the Starwood. <laughs> I was so fucking hungover in I a know. damn shirt like I, all with I, food in my hair. The, the, the tropic, all the bands stayed there and I remember like the Madness Night that was pretty crazy but also the best the, the one that really stands out was when the jam was staying there and there was a huge party by the pool and you were there I'm sure and remember when the, ro- the jam Roadie through Ginger, the oh, yeah, yeah, manager, yeah, yeah. into the pool yeah. with her fur coat on it. Yeah. It was like January. Yeah. And what's funny about that is that she was so pissed off, and we were all pissed off, and the, we thought the jam were a bunch of assholes. And about fast forward like three years later, the go go's were in Japan, and they're like huge, like the Beatles there. And, you know, we were, of course, traveling first class on the bullet train. And then we see the jam on the train platform. And they had to walk through first class to go sit in the coach. <laughs> and we said to them, it's back there. You're back there. And we're going, oh, see you later. And they were so mad. They were still mad. And then fast forward till about 10 years ago, I was rehearsing in London. And then Paul Weller was, was rehearsing there. And that same roadie who threw Ginger in the pool is like his personal assistant. And he was still mad at me. I said, hi. And he just like, Whoa. And I went, oh, my God. It's like 30 years ago. Can you at least get over that? You know, but still holding a grudge. Everyone's all kids. But that place was the craziest. I remember, um, uh, what's it? What's his face? Oh, everybody stayed there. Everybody stayed there. Yeah, I think It was the best in Duke's Coffee Shop. Yeah, Duke. You and I took acid in the afternoon and went down there. Yeah. And I remember ending up at Duke's. I don't know what we were doing, but we were high as kites. I think that the Tropicana pool, remember when they painted it black? My concept was that that was so that you couldn't see all the rust from the lawn chairs that were going in there every night. <laughs> that was so funny. Did it you, was the best. I, I fucked a lot of people at the Tropicana. Did you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I did too. The fucking rooms looked like, <laughs> it looked like a Superfly movie or a Dolomite room movie. They were like, because this place had been built in the 40s by Sandy Koufax. It should be, it should still be there. I'm I so mad at it. I so hard That was like a real piece of, of LA history, that whole place. Totally. It was, and remember when Marty and... Marty and what was his partner's name? Marty Nish. Oh, no. Marty Hal Negro. Marty and his partner managed the hotel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, (laughs) they went and they went went up to the Chateau Marmont afterwards, which was a real dump, too, at the time. And they were managing them. So a lot of times we'd go up to parties at the Chateau. Oh, yeah. And that was like before it was all like fancy and gentrified. It was like Sunset Boulevard then. And I don't mean Sunset Boulevard, the street. I mean, it was like it was like old movie land, ratty hotel. And it was totally haunted. Oh, completely. I was just going to say all the ghosts. uh, Yeah. The, um, the Tropicana used to have rooms that were called shorts. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, that was where the hookers could go. You could have it for an, for an hour. hour. But also, like, 
we used to call Mighty um, the desk clerk and just say, hey, it's pleasant. Who's in town? And he would just say, <laughs> yeah, like, he would do. they were so cool. Yeah, they were so cool. And they were always at uh, barbecues, like punk rock barbecues. Yeah. So they were they were part of the crowd. And they would give us all the, the privy information, all the, the private sort of information. Yeah, they were so fun. Um, okay, so wait, what was that? Uh, let's see some other other stuff that we could talk about. Um, Elks Lodge, that was unbelievable. Oh yeah, that yeah remember crazy. that was that was like a big a big big deal, because that was when the gigs started getting booked into like venues around town. I remember the Hollywood Roosevelt playing there too. That yep, became, and yep. in, in the seven seven veil. Well, no, the seven seas. The seven seas. That was another place to go to on Hollywood Boulevard. Man, you used to go there. This was when you had a bodyguard by then. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we had blow in the bathroom. Yeah, we had. We, he he had to come like. I mean, you really needed a body guy. Yeah, back then. And this yeah. guy was like the size of a refrigerator. He was like a, a classic action movie looking bodyguard. But he kept going back and forth to the bathroom with me and you. And then we'd be there for like, an it hour. started off with like five minutes. And then it'd be like an hour in the bathroom. And he was just like stuck outside of the ladies' room all night. Exactly. Yeah, there was, and I remember that Johnny's Steakhouse was another place mm. that we'd go to, and that was really sad when that was torn down. I was so sad. And the murals that. on the walls, and I remember that would be where anybody who wanted to eat cheap would go to. Wasn't it like a dollar ninety nine for like great. a full steak? Yeah, dinner. steak, yeah, steak lunch. What's there now? Geisha House, I think, or, or an something. escape room. I think an escape room is there now. Yeah, it's it was that was sad. And I remember also in the early punk days is that everybody going, claiming, was it SSI? Which was yeah, like yeah, yeah. benefits for people that were insane. Supplementary social yeah, income. Ex exactly. So, and a lot of people going up to the Scientology building to take the personality test. Oh, yeah. That to was get $5 to Bobby eat. Tim, Darby Crash, Paul Beam started that. <laughs> and going up there and getting paid $5 to take their test. So... <clears throat> But Hollywood Boulevard at that time was, was really, I mean, it was, I think it's still scary. They can't, you can't dress that up. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you remember when we went to see the idol maker in 1980? Yes, we took Tell them what happened. Well, I still, I'm pretty sure it actually did happen. I'm still no, not. No, that happened. It did happen because you saw it too. I remember I told, <laughs> I, I said. <laughs> what is it? No, this, we were walking after the idol maker, walking back, and it was packed, Hollywood Boulevard. And then we were walking, and this, this little person with a top hat started running circles around you. And I'm going, oh, my God. And we were, like, freaking out, and you were, like, standing there. And you, I said, or you said, what is it? Or I said, what no, is it? No, you said, what is it? And then he started chasing you. And it's... And we were and you so said, fucking you high. said, I don't know, but if it would have touched you, I'm just going to kill it. <laughs> it was no, really. but if it would well, have touched you, things, I would have killed it. The weirdest things would always happen on acid. And I remember being like on hitchhiking at two o'clock in the morning on acid. Margo and I thought it was a good idea to get to the next gig early. <laughs> so we like just felt, you know, nothing with us, just full face of makeup, some change. And got on the Hollywood freeway at 2 a.m., oh, hitchhiking up to Pismo Beach for a, a gig with Bra Black Randy and the Metro Squad. Did you Did you get there? You got there from hitchhiking? We got hitchhiking? there. We got there at like 11 in the morning and like slept on the sidewalk out inside of the venue. Because <laughs> everybody else arrived and they go, whoa, whoa, how did you get here? We, go, we, we were just hitchhiked, <laughs> thinking it was a good idea. You can never do that now. Of I used to... Um... 
my MO for hitchhiking used to be I would I would take the bus into Hollywood. No, I would hitchhike into Hollywood, but you couldn't hitchhike out of it. Because if yeah. you hitchhiked out of it, that's when everyone was drunk and high and wanted to rape and kill yeah. you. Yeah. Like if you were hitchhiking in there, it was well, okay because the they just wanted to strangle to too. The hillside strangler oh, yeah. was going on. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And then going into clubs and everybody having to be careful and like just be extra watchful because that was like a big deal. I learned at the Rainbow. Yeah. And, and because uh, Rick, Rick Wilder from the Malmos and the Berlin Brats, his, his girlfriend got killed by the hillside strangler. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe he's still alive. Neither can I. <laughs> I know. And Let's go there, figure. There was a period of time where he looked like Mother from um, Psycho, but now now he looks more like <laughs> like, <laughs> like like yeah. That was that was uh, that was. Anyway, those days were amazing, really amazing. And remember, I, I having our going to the beach. We'd hitchhike or take the bu bus to the beach yeah, and yeah, go down yeah, to yeah. Venice. Yes. And um, Station 26. Exactly. Station 26 is a big thing. That was where we met Paul Rossler and Kira Rossler when they were still just like West Side. They, they, knew, they knew Darby and Pat. Yeah. There was like the whole, that whole high, well, that, what was that high school? Uni High. Uni High. Everybody went to Uni High. Yeah. And which had the, the IPS school, which was like based on Est and Scientology, but basically it was like sitting around on in circles on the yard giving each other like back rubs and and like grokking everything like clockwork <laughs> so funny. and talking about drugs and sex and feelings so i used exactly. to cut my school to go there that's yeah this that's uh yeah they it seemed like a lot of the people gerber i think came from uni yeah, high gerber. a lot of yeah a lot of people did gerber was a famous punk girl is she I, still I thought, yeah she was the last time i saw her she was kind of like oh really not yeah. surprising yeah yeah, I think a lot of people from that time are, let's say, like 50% are gone, right? Already? I know. Yeah. That makes me so sad. I know, it's weird because when you think of, like, this occurred to me a couple of years ago and it scared the shit out of me. The time from the 70s till the 20s, from, like, going back in time from the 1970s, going back to the 20s, from now until going back to the 70s was longer. Isn't that weird? That's so. Uh, I think about that sometimes because I remember when you think of when we were there, like at the whiskey at nineteen seventy five, seventy six, yeah. and it was only like, you know, the whole Laurel Canyon thing was only ten years early. And I remember, we were going up to Houdini's, the Houdini yes. ruins in Laurel Canyon, and then Frank Zappa's lab cab, log cabin was there. Yeah. But there was a lot of stuff going on in. And the whole, there were a bunch of murders. John Holmes, the whole. Oh my God! Remember and the Eddie whole, Nash, the Wonderland, Starwood, all of that. Yeah, there was like a murders up there around that time. I think um, that was really scary. And Eddie Nash owned the, the Starwood, Starwood. Starwood, which was actually, I think, out of all the clubs was in your LA, favorite? was my favorite Me because too. you could go see the rock band and then wander into the disco yeah. afterwards. And there, everybody on the, in the disco would be on Quaaludes, yeah, or like you know, totally out of it, but. It was such a great club. It was big so too, good. and it had a such big a parking lot. Yeah, and it was right right across from like Book Soup, the or exactly. not Book Soup, the um the sex, the, the adult books, yeah bookstore. And remember that the the circus book was yeah that's what yeah. it is circus, circus books. books. Yeah. And then behind there, that's where the Ex plungers lived. Yeah, Anaxine and Sarah Fawcett Minor lived there too. Exactly. That's why that's why it was, that's why they ex wrote adult books. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That building was nuts. It was at the corner of La Jolla, and it was like one of the. It was a giant studio where it was Exine um, and Farrah Fawcett Minor, who was the girl that Exine wrote Los Angeles about. But also KK from the Screamers lived there because he was seeing Farrah and John Doe lived there because he was seeing Exine. And then right down the hall, you had the plungers. Was the plungers, pad. yeah. Plungers pad. Yeah. Which was actually the first all-girl band out of the L.A. punk scene that ever played. I don't think they ever played. No, they didn't play. No, because I was in it. For, there were so many fake bands. Yeah. I mean, not fake bands, but bands that couldn't get off the ground. I was trying to explain that to someone. Like, yeah. You know, because nobody knew how to play shit or didn't have no. equipment. Like, you'd form a band and be writing songs and stuff, but then when it came to the technical... I, it's like, that's when it all fell apart, because nobody actually knew how, what they were doing then. No. There was only very few people. And it depended, like, if someone's older brother had equipment. Or exactly. Or you exactly. saw a guitar for five dollars at a yard sale. Well, something. when I remember when Charlotte was in the eyes, and we needed to have somebody that actually knew the, the, what they were doing in the Go Go's, so we went into the to the eyes show and asked her to to uh, join the band because she knew how to plug in a guitar to the amplifier. <laughs> so that's, that's how. I mean, that's, that's like a good bare start. bones, bare bones. <laughs> so we had no idea, and. Uh, it was great because at that time everybody was well. They went from the Canterbury rehearsing, then they went into the Mask, which was to right rehearse. across the street. Yeah, and we shared our our um, unit, our little rehearsal space with the motels who were around at that time too. And then there'd be gigs at nighttime, and then Connie Clark would be tending bar. I mean, that I went down. Have you been down there in the past few years to the Mask? Because it's the World no, of Wonder. No, I haven't offices. been able to get in there. We t I tried to get in there. Like World of Wonder owns it now, and they're really. I got to say, World of Wonder, you're really cunty about the history you're on top of. Really? Yeah. I can see if Dookie can make a phone call for you to go that down there. That would be good. Because, because the graffiti is still up. No, I know. The it's last time amazing. I went down there, I was with Alice Bag, and it was probably like 10 years ago. And we were standing in front of the walls crying because every fucking thing that all of us I wrote, wrote was still there. up there. It was amazing. It's all amazing. The, all the Jerry stuff. I remember the... being there one day in the afternoon and... I knew that we were cool because Anthony Perkins and Barry Berenson and Marissa Berenson came down to see, you know, the mask. Oh my God. And um, that was an afternoon. We're like, what are they doing here? We were, you know, but, but it was cool. It was like getting a sort of, obviously it had a name for, got a name for itself and from New York, but that was, you know, before we had the Orpheum theater and a few little places, but that was like the main, the first club. It was so good. It was great. It was, it was it was really for anyone that doesn't know about it, you know. It was it was underneath the Pussycat Theater and the, you had to go it was like half a block south of Hollywood Boulevard and you had to go down the alley Alleyways. and then there was these giant steps, like a story worth of steps right. into the basement, which I'm really shocked nobody ever died on. I know. Because we were all yeah, me and exactly. Belinda weren't the only people like, drinking and taking exactly. exactly. Um, and then there was like, there, technically there was toilets there, but they were all just trashed and people used to just oh make God, out in there so on toilets. It was, it was. The stage uh, was like a foot high. Exactly. And I remember Bruce Barf from the Walla Voodoo always taking his pants down on stage. There was like a few, well, Iggy do that too, but Bruce Barf used to do that all the time. But it was, it he was, was cute. Uh, he was really cute. <laughs> I should have really paid better attention. <laughs> Yeah, it was one, one that got away. 
Um, but yeah, it, it was the stage was it was a foot high. If that, it was great. And then um, we used to we used to go. I don't know about you, but I did this all the time. Like if you met someone that you thought was cute at the mask, we would just go out in the parking lot because people would park for the movies and just try all the doors because no, nobody locked their cars in the 60s and then just go and have sex in the nicest car <laughs> that you could find. <laughs> or go to the roof of the Canterbury. Yes. That was oh, that was place. your place. That was, that was, yeah, that was my place. <laughs> the roof of the Canterbury. But yeah, pre-AIDS, that was what everybody was doing. Everybody was. was there was no stigma, no, no, no problem. No danger. Everybody was doing it, doing yeah, they it. they were, certainly. That's for sure. Everyone should have been members of Booty Club International. <laughs> Whipping out the card. I remember making those cards of Kathy Valentine. Yeah, with when you press were, when you, you had that. Yeah, it was we had them. We took them. We actually took them out to get laminated. Yeah. Uh, not laminated, but we were we were sitting around, drunk, around the, the table at uh, the Empire Hotel in New York when you were making Beauty and the Beat and sitting around making those cards for people. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to talk about what we did when you went to record? Well, we thought it would be a good idea to switch boyfriends so they wouldn't stray too far. So we 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 made an agreement to switch, but we didn't tell them. Do they do they know that? At no. All? Okay. Well, in in, the, in uh, more fun in the new world, I wrote the whole story of it. You know, in the so John Doe book, but it said I don't think I don't think they ever knew until now. If you're reading this. <laughs> Exactly. So you were seeing um, Buster, Bill Bateman. I was from the Busters, and you you were married to Levi. Was it before was I married? Marriage? I think no, it was before we got married. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it was so a couple we switched. of years. Yeah. Know, but we switched. Because we didn't want anyone, any stupid normal girls. That was how I put it anyway, <laughs> to, to fuck them. And whoops. <laughs> I did it again. A guy that's, that looks like Brett Easton Ellis in the 80s is standing in the lobby right yeah. now staring. And there's like a couple of two-year-olds too. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, uh, we thought it was a great idea. It was. And it, actually, it was fine. We just, you know, it was, uh, and we switched back. It was a little weird, a little uncomfortable when we all, we you know, we, everything was normal again. <laughs> but what about, what about the time when we were making out in Buster's bed? Do you remember that? And yeah, it was a party, and it was yeah, party at Buster's house, and we got drunk, and we were making out in his bedroom, and then he starts coming into the door, and he go, and he goes, I said, someone's in here. No, he and, said, and it's it's Don, no, he said, is Don Waller here? And he goes, no, no, <laughs> and, and then he said, oops, sorry, and that was like the most seventies thing. And we crawled out the window and ran in the alley, and then I remember seeing Wileen with like, Don Waller, yeah, real just, Don Waller. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, so funny. Yeah. Downey was like a, well, Downey was, you know, we would go down to Downey for parties, too, because that's where the blasters and... and they partied. And all who the was, remember the band, it was Wayne, and it was a Friends of Busters, and they had the... Oh, the Gigolos? Oh, they were hysterical. Wait, what starts with an S, ends with an X, it has an E in the middle. <laughs> And we were like, we dying, roaring with laughter. And they, and you know, of course it was serious to them, but we just thought it was the best. The it was. Thing. I wish I still had that. <laughs> that, yeah. that was really the song, but starts yeah, with an S. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my fuck. Um, whoops. Okay, nobody heard that one. There's an old lady holding a teddy bear yeah. now in the, in the exactly. lobby that didn't She's hear me. lingering. Yeah. Um, but, 
Yeah, there's those days. I'm so glad we made it and we're sitting here. We're alive. That's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. But so let's let's talk about um stuff that you're you're doing now. I have to say that a while ago I went to a, um a Kundalini yoga fundraising event that you did for um Animal People Alliance and it was it was amazing. I was having visions on the mat. I told you it was a it was it's a power it's a powerful place. It was it was just incredible, but the the best part I'm telling all the people out in podcast land was that you were wearing like sort of a, a beautiful um Indian gown and uh wait, what is it a kurta? Kurta, yeah. It was a it was a, a an angelic white kurta with gold trimming and you had like so your, your hair covered yeah. with a turban and then I was just barely coming out of the trance and you start singing like mad about you and our lips are sealed and then everyone got up on the yoga <laughs> mats and was doing new wave dancing yeah. that was awesome yeah it's like I, like I said from the mask to yoga west yeah you know it's but it all make, kind of makes sense but yeah that, that was um I think as far as what I'm doing now I mean I still sing a lot and I I'm really lucky in that way that between you know, the Go-Go's, well, the Go-Go's have their documentary debuting at Sundance and yeah, opening the festival. So... Is that the one that I got interviewed for? Yeah, and you were great. And I meant to thank you because for taking the time to do that because you're in it. How could I not do great. that? Exactly. Well, you were there. So um, so that's debuting at Sundance. And so we have, you know, a lot of work next year. And um, what was I saying? Tell oh, people so I work a lot. Animal but, people so What I decided to do in between working is um, I always, I spend a lot of time in India and and um, friends of mine have the first animal sanctuary and hospital in Udaipur and they're from Seattle. They're completely eccentric as you would have to be. And they've been living there for 25 years. And um, I thought I want to do that. So I have a few friends in Calcutta that work at NGOs and one of them, um, I live in Bangkok in Thailand, so Calcutta is only two hours. So a lot of times they would come on weekends to um, j just, you know, be back to normal, as normal as can be from Calcutta. So he's, I was approached about um, doing an animal um, hospital. So I said, yes, I'm there. So that was formed in 2014. And we've treated over 10,000 animals since then, ten, mostly dogs. And we are, it's growing and it's doing really well. We have, our team is, is made of women who, uh, we work with an organization that rehabilitates trafficked women or women that have suffered domestic abuse or or at risk of falling below the poverty line. So we have a few women from, um, uh, the the women's um, interlink group that that does this and also men that are at risk of falling below the poverty line because of um, some kind of um, disability or um, or you know just vulnerable I mean by the caste system which is still, I was just gonna say, yeah the caste I, like, system so makes many... yeah and it's alive and kicking and in in uh, India unfortunately so we have a team of eight on the ground and they've just you know it's you kind of have to go in you know knowing India you have to go, go with the flow because it's hard to make concrete, concrete plans, plans just the same as with Egypt yeah exactly so <laughs> Mostly our organization does on-site treatment um, for street animals. And now we're diversifying into northern Thailand where we have a shelter. So we're working with um, some of the stateless people 
who are part of the hill tribes. There's three hill tribes up there. So, and stateless people can't get employment because they have no documentation. So we have two girls from one of the tribes working. And, and so, you know, our mission is to um, go into areas in Southeast Asia that need, they need education in schools on how to treat animals or not, not to eat dogs. You know, yeah, that's yeah. a big problem, especially in Thailand. Thailand huh? Yeah. So, um, and it's, you know, we've been making a big impact. So that's kind of my little baby when I'm not singing. So if people want to donate to it, go to animalpeoplealliance.com. No, it's animalpeoplealliancenet.com. Uh, okay. I think. Animalpeoplealliance.net. <laughs> Dot net. Dot net. And also, we're really active on um, Instagram, yeah, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've so seen. all the social media pages. So, um, And the responses, you know, from especially locals and Indians um, has been great because they have a place to go and when dogs are in distress or whatever. And there's not a lot of animal services in that city. Yeah, or sure. anywhere in the country. There's not, it looks like there's not a lot of people services on that city. No, it's really exactly. crazy when you go to... The, yeah. you know to north africa and asia and stuff but yeah we realize that, like how lucky we, we are lucky even when we were like sleeping on sidewalks it's nothing <laughs> compared to no, there because you see that everywhere there you know it's pretty bad um is there anything else that you want to um blah, blah 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 i can't think of anything else i think you covered it if you guys want to join booty club international yeah just contact me and i'll make you a card and you will it. we're not going to vet them in somehow <laughs> we used to remember just like we used to flash it out just yes. like, so, good. <laughs> like so horrified yeah and that this interview was mild we could have gotten really really scary oh god well we could have gotten we could have done the triple x version yeah, but I, we're going to make you bitches pay for that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were the days. I, I'm so glad that we both came out. I know. How did we come out? We can still know. form simple and complex I And I actually have, I can, I, yeah, I can form, I can form, I, well, I should look like Phantom of the Opera with the amount of cocaine that I've done in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just I should look holes. like Quasimodo. You can look like Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Exactly. We're so lucky. Right, let's make it Yeah. So funny. All right. You've been listening to the devil's music and the goddess of the day was Belinda Carlisle. Yes. Thank you so much, Plaz. Love you. Love you. Ooh, baby, do you know that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. So wasn't that amazing? I mean, seriously, where the hell do you hear stories like this? <laughs> um, especially, I mean, stories like this involving Belinda and me. Um, probably nowhere. I think we're a first on a, I don't think she's ever discussed any of this in public before. 
But, you know, we're in the imaginary land of Pantheon Podcasts where magically everything can happen. So thanks for listening to The Devil's Music. And tune in next time on the Pantheon Podcast Network or wherever you find fabulous, amazing rock and roll podcasts. Mwah! The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.